really what it boils down to is tools. I just have a bunch of tools. Like I'm sitting in my garage gym right now. And over the years, I've collected enough stuff to be kind of embarrassing. And like a lot of them, honestly, they don't get picked off the shelf with a lot of regularity, but they're fun to have. But at the end of the day, they're just tools to create something to push against. So resistance training really can take on a ton of different forms. And as sophisticated as the human body is, when it comes to encountering resistance, you know, your muscles are not you know, they don't have the presence of mind or a mind <laughs> to say, oh, now I'm lifting a barbell and, you know, this is a different kind of force and contraction than when I'm lifting a kettlebell or lifting my body weight or lifting my, my body weight with a backpack on or whatever. Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project podcast with E.C. Sinkowski. Every week here on the show, E.C. and I aim to simplify the science of nutrition, health and fitness, cutting through the noise to focus on the principles and practices that will help you perform better feel better, and live better. My name is Patrick Cummings. I am here with just a quick introduction. This week, we've got a wonderful conversation that EC had recently with a friend of the show, Adrian Bosman. Adrian Bosman, many will know as the competition director of the CrossFit Games. He is a longtime CrossFit OG. He's also the co-host of the Varied Not Random podcast alongside Pat Sherwood, We've had Pat on the show before. EC's been on Varied Not Random. Wonderful people, wonderful show. Make sure you check it out if you like this conversation. EC and Adrian talk about a number of things, including how to identify and prioritize the essential elements of your training and nutrition, the benefits of integrating different forms of physical activity into your routine, and the role of sport and recreation in enhancing overall fitness and quality of life. We thank you for tuning into the show this week. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you happen to be listening or watching this so you don't miss another episode. Without further ado, here is EC and Adrian Bosman. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Adrian. It's always good to chat with you about fitness. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure my audience knows who you are, but I just want to mention to the audience a, a couple of reasons why I wanted to have you on. And I think, first of all, you were super formative for me really taking a principle, a driven approach to, I would say nutrition, but during our time at CrossFit, uh, one of my core memories is really how we were working through how to answer questions at seminars. And you were always so good about, Hey, what does the person not understand to be able to answer their own question? And so that was super, super useful for me. And um, really how I think I started kind of forming my own principles of nutrition. So one of the reasons why you're here. <laughs> that's a huge compliment. I mean, truly, that's uh, that's such a nice thing to uh, to hear, especially, I mean, like, uh, I mean, the feeling is so mutual, you know, like I think I have so much respect for you and the way that you have kind of crafted your own um, kind of niche in a, a very noisy space, you know, uh, it's, it's really admirable. And, and I just think the integrity that you've always held through all of that is, um, it's really remarkable. So yeah, that's mm. a huge compliment. So thank you. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, of, of course. Um, and I guess actually kind of hinted at the, the next reason I, I think fitness like nutrition has some, sometimes some bells and whistles, um, <laughs> some shiny objects where we can get a little distracted and so yep. you kind of being able to pair back to, hey, what are we really missing here? Kind of what are the essential elements? I'm hoping that's sort of the overarching theme that we're going to we're going to discuss some kind of fitness essentialism or I don't even know fitness minimalism. But that's what that's what we're going to try to do. <laughs> I like both of those terms. I think that's yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've been involved with CrossFit as you have and, and that kind of the whole ecosystem around that for a long time. And, and 
I, that was what very much drew me to it in the first place was, you know, I think in the early days, there was a lot of conversation that was pretty overtly about, hey, this landscape is bloated. People are trying to just sell you things to lie in their own pockets. It's not useful. And beyond not useful, it's actually just bad advice that only serves to kind of make your wallet a little bit lighter and you don't need it. And I just, man, it was so refreshing to have, um, you know, a group of people that I just kind of grabbed that ethos and ran with it. Um, Mm. You know, and I think, I think these days it's interesting because as things become more mainstream, you know, necessarily there's more people involved and you see some of that starting to creep back in. Um, but I am heartened. I'm, I'm starting to see kind of a resurgence of that message that like, Hey, you know what, actually it's nice to have some of these things and it's nice to have a little bit more knowledge about, you know, specific things, um, as, as better and better kind of research comes out or whatever. But when you boil it back down and kind of strip things away, it's like not much has changed. Um, <laughs> and, and I feel like people are starting to come back around to that. And, uh, and I'll, I'll also say that over the last couple of years, I think, I think people kind of gotten away from that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's good to see it start to come back. Yeah. Well, I had this on my notes for maybe later, but since you kind of hinted at it, I want to dive into it. Do you think, I mean, either you, um, and I, I know you don't want to speak for Greg, but anybody kind of the, at the early years, do you think that anybody predicted how fit people could get off of such a minimalistic fitness program? And do you think that how effective the program is has almost warped our perception of like what we need to do and how good we need to get? Uh, yeah. And I, I think that, wow, there's a lot in that. Um, <laughs> oh boy, where to start? I, I think to get to the base question, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm never going to pretend to know what's in Greg's head. You know what I mean? Like that he's, he's, there's a lot going on there. So, um, I would not want to speak for him, uh, and whether or not he predicted people being as like, just as well-rounded as they are right now. Um, but I definitely think that he saw the potential for that, whether or not Mm. he could call the number and the the limits that people are at. Um, I, I definitely do think he believed in, in the potential. And I think we all did and still do. Um, and it is pretty remarkable to see where that high watermark is and just how common it is these days. You know, like you walk into any CrossFit gym anywhere and the, just the amount of people that, uh, have numbers that, you know, 10 years ago would have been pretty freakish, um, or at least outliers. It's pretty cool. Um, it does that taint things a little bit as far as kind of expectations sometimes. And I think what, what is easy to miss is that, you know, I think a lot of the people that are drawn to things like this, I mean, we could be a little obsessive, you know, we can be a little, uh, <laughs> we lose sight of the big picture from time to time. Um, and I think that's something that Pat and I talk about pretty regularly, which is, uh, you know, get out in the real world once in a while and just mm. take a look around. And if you're feeling not so great about your fitness, but you're somebody who's, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to, you're, you're getting in the gym and you're taking care of what's on your dinner plate, uh, to a, to a reasonable degree, you know, chances are you are light years ahead of the average person. And if you're surrounded by people that are like-minded, it can be easy to just kind of you know, get lost in that. But, um, it's a good reminder from time to time to get out and just kind of observe and say, Hey, you know what? I'm actually doing great. And that should be something that is on the forefront of your mind. Uh, cause I think we can all go through those stages where you're like, Oh, I'm not doing enough or, 
oh, I lost a couple seconds off my PR or whatever. And, and ultimately, like, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, yeah. it's secondary to the bigger picture. Yeah, I was listening to one of your very not random episodes. And I think you kind of de- described it as um, almost like this surplus capacity that you have yeah. in the gym. And, you know, rabbit holes can be fun in the gym just because that could be a, ha- a hobbit, a hobby for you. And you want to, you know, get really good at one thing. And, and so fine enough. But there is this moment of realizing, okay, maybe I don't need all of this capacity to go play pickleball, my new hobby, or go um, <laughs> exactly, go yeah. on the hike with my family or something <laughs> like that. And so how how would you kind of help somebody start to delineate maybe when they're in the surplus capacity for the sake of surplus capacity in fitness versus, okay, is this really paying off for my quality of life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess the first thing I would do as a like putting my coaching hat on is to just really observe their behaviors in the gym um, from like entrance to exit. And if they are still fired up to be there, if they are having a good time, if they're engaging with the other members or the, you know, the other people they're training with, um, and they just get hung up on one or two things about, you know, their current status of training, then I'm probably not going to worry about it too much because to me it's like, okay, they're just, you know, looking at this one element and it's a focal point right now. That's not a big deal. But conversely, if you have somebody where, you know, they've been successful, meaning like they have built up a good level of fitness from where they started, whatever that looks like, but they're coming in and they're not engaging or they seem down on themselves or they don't seem motivated regardless of what kind of shows up for the workout that day. And that's a pattern. Then that's definitely a conversation that needs to happen with that person. That's like, Hey, wait a minute. Do we need to reframe a little bit and put some perspective And to me, I think that's one of the most valuable aspects of coaching in any realm is that external set of eyes. Um, And I'll frame it this way. You know, we we have a a puppy that we got in September and uh, he's a great Pyrenees puppy. And so he's going to be enormous. Um, And I want him to be like Clifford, the big red dog, big, you know, like I want him to get that big. And despite the fact that he's growing like two, three pounds every week, my wife and I, every once in a while, we look and we're like, oh, is he still growing? You know, I don't know. But when we go take him on our daily walk around the block and we see the people that we see in our neighborhood every day, every time they're like, oh my God, he's getting so big, you know, but you don't see it because you're in that day-to-day process. Um, and even with something as significant as that, it's easy to lose sight of, you know, the real objective reality. And uh, I, I, to land the plane on that, that's where I do think the greatest utility for any coach in any discipline is, is to be able to take the individual aside and say, hold on a second. I know your, your head is kind of wrapped up in this one element, but let's pull back for a second. Let me tell you what I see. And let me talk to you about the person you were six months ago versus who you are now. Let's lay that out so that you can see it and you can be proud of that work because ultimately, you know, you showed up and did it. Um, And let's just not lose sight of that with whatever you're struggling with right now. Like maybe it's not as big of a deal as it seems like when you have that broader view. So, yeah. One of the things that I think sometimes people forget with their training, especially if they're coming from the CrossFit background is what was at the top of the pyramid sport. For sure. (laughs) Um, And I think maybe that that can sometimes be a good way to help people, right. Kind of get out of the, the training surplus capacity, if you will, especially if they're not a games athlete or something like that. What, what do you see the real value of somebody going out and training a sport 
and and how could they also see? And I'm going to use my pickleball example again. Um, yeah. How could me going to pickleball on Tuesday night actually pay off in ways that I'm not expecting when I come back to CrossFit? That's a great question. And so to answer the first part of that question, I think it's important to frame, at least in my opinion, that that top of the pyramid sport. I think more realistically for most people, it's recreation. Mm-hmm. You know, like most of us past a certain age, like the sport is not exactly like what we're training for, even if we kind of think it is. Meaning, you know, I'm not putting money on the table because I like to do jujitsu. You know what I mean? Um, it's fun. I enjoy it. I want to get better at it. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to become a professional athlete in that domain. Um, sport is just something I do to recreate. And I think if you frame it that way, it opens the door for sport being so many things and it doesn't require, a weeks or months or lo- uh, years long commitment to something. Like I, I don't have to play pickleball from now until eternity to consider myself, you know, pursuing that sport. So I think that's important framing right out the gate is that it it's recreation and that can take mm-hmm. a lot of different forms. Um, and <clears throat> the second part of that question, I think it's all about integration. Uh, you know, like I think CrossFit part of the reason it was so revolutionary is that it, it kind of eschewed this idea that physical traits had to be trained in isolation and like, yes, you should pursue like blending the margins here. That's the point. But regardless of how well you do that in the gym, I think there's still, um, an artificiality to it in the way that like, yeah, it's going to be kind of segmented, right? Like reps and rounds are a structure that you come in knowing. And when you're out doing something, even if it's like hiking, you know, like you're, your footfalls are going to be erratic based on the trail and the, the terrain and, you know, the speed that you're hiking at, that's going to change. It's going to change quickly. It's going to, it's going to change unexpectedly. So even something as kind of benign as that, um, it's going to require you to be a little bit more integrated than, you know, just pursuing more sets and reps in the gym. Um, and so that's a two way street in my opinion. Uh, you know, the more you get those opportunities to try to integrate those, those kind of raw capacities you've built in the gym, uh, the more you're going to find that when you come back into the gym, those raw capacities are a little easier to execute. And so it, it, it's a cycle that feeds itself in my opinion. Um, and it's fun to see. I think it's really fun, especially again, you know, athletes of a certain age, uh, when you, (laughs) when you do get out of the gym and you go do these, these outside things and you realize you're like, Oh wow, this is actually enjoyable because I don't have to worry about the physical aspect of it. I can just, I can just kind of keep my head up and, and take it all in, so to speak. Yeah. Isn't that sort of an underappreciated aspect of some of the recreation too? just the mental escape and like how much that can bring For to them sure. wanting to get back to the gym, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I think that's some of the, the best value too. Um, okay. I want to switch gears a little bit to a topic we talk about here a lot. Well, we talk a lot on my podcast about lean mass because it often is a, a key lever in people getting after their physique goals, their performance goals. And so I often talk about, you know, resistance training and the importance of resistance training and all of that stuff. Yep. Of course, people always want to know, you know, what's the most optimal split and how much and all of that stuff. But I think before even getting there, I think sometimes people have um, maybe a kind of a limited view of what they think resistance training needs to be. So can you yep. maybe give a, a, a 
better working definition for people when they're thinking about resistance training, like what that could really look like versus, I don't know. I mean, my stereotype in my mind is like a five by five back squat, right? If you don't do that, you're not resistance training, right? So can you help people kind of understand how they can make, you know, lean mass gains and maybe a more broader context? Yeah. I I think, um, for me, when I start getting in my head a little bit too much about things, I try to take a step back and think about, okay, really what it boils down to is tools. I just have a bunch of tools. Like I'm sitting in my garage gym right now. This is kind of my office garage gym (laughs) creative space, you know? And over the years I've collected enough stuff to be kind of embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous the amount of tools that I have (laughs) sitting around here. And, and like a lot of them, honestly, they don't get picked off the shelf with a lot of regularity, but they're fun to have. But at the end of the day, they're just tools to create something to push against. I mean, that's it, you know? Um, and so resistance training really can take on a ton of different forms. And I think people forget, too, that as sophisticated as the human body is, when it comes to encountering resistance, you know, your muscles are not, you know, they don't have the presence of mind or a mind <laughs> to say, <laughs> oh, now I'm lifting a barbell. And, you know, this is a different kind of force and contraction than when I'm lifting a kettlebell or lifting my body weight or lifting my my body weight with a backpack on or whatever, you know, there's no real differentiation there other than load and position. Mm. And so once you start thinking about it in those terms, um, you know, it really does open up the world of possibility. It doesn't have to look like a barbell and it doesn't have to look like, you know, one of the big um, conventional compound lifts, although those are great tools. And, uh, you know, I certainly think that if you can, those those are like awesome to engage with. There's no reason not to, um, but they shouldn't be the limit of it either. Um And I think it's one of those things too where, and I'm speculating a little bit here, but I think the objectivity of it is appealing in the sense that like the tool of the barbell is so popular because of the movements that it allows that have a ton of efficiency and and effect. But it's also really easy to precisely load it and record that Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. see it and improve on that. And so I think that is important, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, the best utility in all situations. Let's say somebody had in their mind, okay, today's my five by five leg day yeah. at the gym, but then life happens and I can't get to the gym and I'm stuck at home with this pair of dumbbells or just my body. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> what the heck am I supposed to do for my strength day? Mm-hmm. And why is it going to have any value compared to when me going to the gym and doing five by five heavy? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And this is where I think it's great to kind of have that broader view, because if you are willing to sit there for five minutes and just kind of think creatively, you can come up with a ton of stuff that, yeah, it's not going to be the same as a barbell on your back because it's not, but it's certainly not going to be wasted training time either. And so, you know, one of my favorite things is like, all right, well, how can I think about this and increase the load? Well, you know, one leg instead of two, is right there going to change the game. Okay. So then how can I create a one legged exercise that is going to be a doable and then be uh, challenging enough that it's going to start to push the limits of my strengths. And one of my favorite things to do is uh, take a box or a, a bench or, you know, some blocks or whatever and start stacking them up and stand um, parallel to the box, put one foot on there and with no, uh, kind of push off of the, the leg on the bottom, try to squat out of that. So it's basically a dead stop, full depth, single leg squat without the demands of like that 
pistol position, you know, mm -hmm. see how high you can do that. See, see what depth effectively you can create, uh, by stacking those blocks a little bit higher, finding something higher to step off of. And then when that gets a little easy, okay, we'll grab a backpack full of books and, and try a couple reps that way. And when that gets easy, try to do a couple reps in a row without, you know, f by just floating your, your bottom leg. Um, you know, there's plenty of leg strength to be had that way. If you, you have a gap day or two that you can't make it into your, your back squat program. Um, and then I think jumping is, is another thing that's underutilized by a lot of people. Uh, you know, jumping for height, jumping for distance. And I'm yeah. talking, you know, max near or, or maximal effort, uh, not repeated kind of, um, you know, moderate effort jumping, but, you know, as high as I can go or as far as I can go rest, do it again. Uh, I think jumping is something that's totally underutilized in situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that one legged, um, on the box squat replica. I have a feeling people might, that might be one that I could see people be like, Oh, that's not going to do much. And then you go to try it. Yeah. <laughs> and you realize sure. two reps is quite challenging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even like, just oh manipulating gosh. the position alone and trying to knock out five reps without, you know, like, like legit full depth, full stand, floating that foot so that you're not getting that little drive out of the bottom. Like, yeah, it adds up quick. Yeah. And just the balance component, right. To then be able to, to start to have that coordination piece with all of the strength elements. I think, I think too, like just thinking about resistance training that, you know, people can think I have to go to the gym and do it three times a week or something like that with a barbell or something heavy when some of these adaptations of the balance or just where the loading would placed, you know, can really start to help the person have a more integrated musculature sure. and nervous yeah. system, right. When they go back to the barbell. I, yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I think training age has a lot to do with that too. You know, if you're somebody who's really, um, experienced, well, maybe not, you probably have enough of a groove with your barbell technique that it, it you might not notice a significant difference there. But if you're somebody who's still learning these lifts, you're still kind of getting used to, um, you know, just the basics and that sort of thing, then yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you're going to see some pretty pronounced effect from that. So one of the things I think people also struggle with, with resistance training, or this could actually just be more generally with programming, you know, they're at home and, and trying to put something together and maybe don't have time to get to class, um, is that fear of, not doing the right number of reps yeah, <laughs> or like, I'm going to mess this up or, Oh gosh, I can't do squats today. I, I mean, I could never sub sit ups that that would have a disastrous effect on my fitness or something like that. Um, I don't know, maybe it's kind of a two part question, but like, how should people think about maybe programming the reps? Um, maybe even for that resistance training that we were just talking about and, and what kind of fears can you help kind of assuade or whatever to, so that you're not messing up your programming, you know, without the 21159 perfect scheme. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome <laughs> topic. And one that I think is really fun to talk about because you can, I think you can really put people at ease in, in a way. Um, and I think it boils down to like, look, you know, like it's, it's not that delicate. Mm. You're not that delicate uh, as, as a, as an entity, you know what I mean? And, uh, in a program, particularly one where you are explicitly trying to be well-rounded and trained for a general physical preparation, it's not that delicate and you're not going to break it by, you know, swapping a few things out or, or a rep scheme that was maybe a little too much for the day or a little too little. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's going to be inconsequential 
in another week or two when you've got another couple of workouts uh, stacked on top of it. So, I mean, obviously you don't want to fall into a pattern of missing the mark over and over and over again, but they're not all going to be golden eggs, regardless of who's writing the program for you. And so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, so that's number one. You have to kind of get that out of your head. Now, that doesn't give, you know, if you're a coach listening to this, it doesn't give you license to be lazy in your approach. But um, I do think you've got to understand that the strike zone is pretty wide. And that's that's part of the fun of it, is that you do get to experiment with that um, and and kind of see what fits within it. Um, but for the individual that's just trying to navigate that, I think uh, less is more. I think it's really an easy trap to fall into when you are trying to put something together for yourself that you think it has to be a complicated or b hit every base possible. And it's like, neither of those are true. You know, you can do a lot with just squats and pushups for, for example. Um, you know, so if you're away from the gym or you miss a class and, and that's all you did was some sort of interval scheme with squats and pushups for 15 minutes, you'd be good to go. Um, and so it doesn't really need to be much more, uh, complicated in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, how, how intensity or, or at least hard work and effort and intent during your, your, uh, session will have a, just as much of a positive effect as that perfect rep scheme, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd, I'll go so far as to say too, like, you know, even athletes that are training for really specialized disciplines, like if you have a, a, an Olympic weightlifter or a powerlifter or something like that, where it's like, yeah, you know, there's, I think there's a little more emphasis on like the, the kind of the regimen, if you will, you know, um, even then, you know, missing a workout or having to modify a workout here and there is completely part of the game. Nobody is training long term and just adhering like a robot to their program that does not exist. Um, at least not on a long enough time scale. And if that's the expectation from the coach or the person writing that program, they are not doing a good job. And I'm very comfortable saying that, um, because you have to account for the differences in, uh, you know, enthusiasm, the, the recovery, um, you know, just the difference in the way that you or I are going to respond to a program as it's unfolding, you know, there has to be a latitude there to kind of take some, some, um, uh, some change. Uh, and if that's not a consideration, then, you know, again, I would say that coach is either a little immature or they're just not really doing their job. So, so all that again, to, to give license to the individual that's like, Hey, you know, if it's a once in a while thing and you're doing the best you can, it's going to turn out great. If it turns into an everyday thing, well, then maybe we have a different conversation on our hands. And I, I feel like that's something that, you know, you're, you're really good about with your nutrition message too, is like, Hey, look, you know, not every single meal is going to be flawless. And, and you know what? That's fine. But if it starts to be every day, every meal, well, of course you're going to have a problem, right? And that's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I I might speculate for a second here, Boz. <laughs> oh, I do it all the time. Okay, well, maybe yeah. you'll join me on this one. Even <laughs> I like what you're kind of where you were going, even with the high level athletes. Sometimes do you wonder, maybe not wonder, but I've thought about even their quote perfect program, right? It's perfectly because they're so dialed in and they really need to work on X, Y, and Z. I sometimes think that the benefit is actually the belief that they have the written perfect program versus that they actually need the quote perfect program, right? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think that's speculation at all. I think you're right on the money. And that's another big part about any program, whether you're talking nutrition, whether you're talking a, a, a degree, whether you're talking fitness, if you cannot get yourself out of bed and into whatever it is that you're doing, then it's going to fail. And a big part of that is the motivation to do it. Now, yeah, of course, you know, you need discipline and you have to account for those days that you're not really feeling it. Sure, I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, if something is structured in a way that is just like painstaking to get through it, you're going to have a greater attrition than you probably need to. Um, and that's very true with programming. And, and so, yeah, I think the inverse is true too. If you are fired up to do it, and you fundamentally are like, this is the track for me, then you're going to make progress. Even if somebody were to take that a step back and say, hey, you know, objectively, I think this could be a little bit better. Okay, maybe it could be, but maybe it doesn't need to be if that person is like in it and they're seeing the progress because of it. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely see that in nutrition. The, the best diets are the ones that you stick to, not which diet it is. So, yep. But yeah, I mean, I think even to kind of stay in this rabbit hole, I think I've heard you say it with like the games athletes when you know, maybe they'll get a test or something where they weren't expecting it or they weren't totally prepared. And it's like, guys, you have so much preparation that even a perfect programming or knowing what it would have been, you'll, you can still execute it. And so I think that's even true of programming for us regular people, as well as even probably high level people that you can get so worried about the perfect program, but you actually have a little bit more latitude. And it's again, your the motivation, the intensity and the consistency of it that are going to play out right over, over you did eight reps correctly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's no magic in the numbers, you know, people really want there to be, uh, but there's not, you know, like, it, yeah, there's certain reps that tend with enough, you know, look at enough people doing them to push certain attributes in certain directions. Sure. You know, yeah, that that's true. But that doesn't mean that if you on your set of five hit a set of four and called it quits that like those four reps just don't count and they didn't, they didn't push the needle forward. You know what I mean? Um, people get funny about that stuff. It's not that well thought through. And if it was, you'd be able to just point at the program that Mm -hmm. has been solved that is guaranteed to just like, well, this is the one that makes a world champion Mm -hmm. and everybody would do it. And, uh, you know, there it is, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist. And, um, yeah, people people should not get so hung up on those numbers because of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's the same thing in nutrition. No one diet, right? Yeah, um, it's a, it's a it's a fluid thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so we you know we kind of talked. I actually liked your point how you could just take squats and and, and push ups, and uh, you could be really fit <laughs> with lots of different kind of ways of mixing that up. And so that might be a place where sometimes there another rabbit hole is created within kind of the CrossFit paradigm of the constantly varied, right? Um, I think I even see that nutrition. I'll talk about people should have a diverse array of whole unprocessed food. And then it becomes, okay, how many different types of beans can I have today? And it's like, okay, well, now we've gotten a little, <laughs> little <laughs> far afield. I love it. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, oh, my 38 different heirloom varieties of tomatoes, that right? So... Uh, I think that can be also true in CrossFit or, you know, people mm-hmm. trying to do this constantly varied thing. How should somebody think about what would be the essentials of variance? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the big picture is, you know, you strip everything away. Um, are you experiencing different types of resistance? So back to mm-hmm. the earlier conversation, you know, is it just a barbell? Um, and maybe it is, that's fine. Uh, but difference in terms of like, if you want to put percentage of load, 
that could be one way to look at it or just, um, you know, maximal effort down to fairly easy, repetitive effort. So a range of, of loading, I think is a big one. And, uh, categorically you can think about it as max, moderate, light. That's an easy way to approach it. Um, Time frame, I think, is another big one. You know, are you seeing sprint style efforts? Are you seeing kind of sustained five to fifteen minute efforts? And are you seeing some longer um, kind of endurance style efforts on a regular basis? You know, yeah. If that's a check in the box, then great. I think you're on the right track. And then the big basics of uh, movement function. Uh, you know, are you going below parallel? Are you picking something up off the floor? You, you know, the, the hip hinge is a popular way to describe that these days. Um, are you putting something overhead? Are you hanging from uh, a pull-up bar or a set of rings? Are you flexing your trunk? You know, you kind of have those five or six major movement patterns that you should be seeing with regularity. And and that's about as far as I think the average person really needs to to think about it. You know, range of loading, range of time domain, good mix of the basic functional patterns mm-hmm. call it good and what what are the kind of um, problems i guess when people get as much gear as you have in your gym <laughs> if, <laughs> is, if that could be a problem if that could be construed as a problem yeah what would be the rabbit hole there uh, i think the parallels to nutrition are are obvious in the sense that you know once you have a pretty good foundation and you know <clears throat> you have you have like a weekly kind of meal structure that works for you and you're you're excited to eat and it covers your bases nutritionally you can start to fall off on like oh man i definitely got to dial up my zinc or whatever right and and you start tinkering with these things and i mean maybe that's fine but at the end of the day it probably doesn't have the effect that you thought it would mm-hmm. i think the same thing's true in the gym you start looking around you're like oh man i haven't used a kettlebell in in two weeks, that definitely has to happen. And that's definitely why I might not be making progress is because I haven't touched that thing in a while. But if you step back and, you know, you are covering those bases that I talked about, um, it's probably not as big of a deal as you thought. So nice to have a lot of these uh, bells and whistles and, and nice to have training options. But I think it's easy to fall into the hole of feeling like you either A, have to use them mm-hmm. uh, or B, you're trying to cram way too many things into a single session, which I think is probably more common now that I'm talking about it. Um, Mm. Because you start thinking that, okay, I have access to all this stuff, I have to use it. And then your sessions become a little bit bloated because of that. Yeah. Yeah, I I do find that I think people underestimate consistency, no surprise, and then intent within the consistency. And I I love Mm. the word intensity, but I do think people often can misinterpret that a little bit and not understand that it can be relative. So sometimes I like the word intent, but just like the power of that over all of the 27 different pieces of equipment you have, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll say this about intensity too, especially now that, you know, I'm a little, uh, a little older, a little wiser Mm. and, and, and beyond all that, like, like just a little less willing to, uh, you know, put my head in the fire, so to speak. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to do. Uh, <laughs> but what I will say about intensity, and I think I heard this from Dan John, like way mm. back in the day. He's, I really, yeah. you know, uh, over the years, he's, he's got a ton of great knowledge. If people aren't familiar with his work, I, I'd recommend checking it out. Um, but, uh, he, I, I can't remember what book it was or where he said this, but, uh, basically it boils down to like, Look, if you have a good movement selection and the reps that kind of support those movements, the intensity will find you. Mm. You don't really have to go looking for it. 
You know what I mean? Like if you have a workout that's like deadlifts and pull-ups, for example, like the intensity is going to find you. It's, right. it's not really like you have to go looking too hard for it. Um, and that really resonates with me, especially now Yeah. where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm not um, just chomping at the bit to kill myself, but you know what? I'm going to be breathing hard. I'm going to be pushed out of my comfort zone just based on the movements and the rep schemes that support those movements anyway. Mm. And that's where the big benefit is. Um, mm. It's not like having to hit this artificial, you know, threshold. Red that, line every time, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Um, okay, well, one of the things I want to get your opinion on before we leave here, because you already touched on a little bit, is um, motivation and the importance of being excited about a program. And you've been doing this long enough that you've probably had one or two days... <laughs> Or you weren't super motivated? No, never. (laughs) I've actually now, at this point, I've had more than one. (laughs) I'll go so far as to say I've had years (laughs) where I haven't been that motivated. That's that's where we're at these days. That's where we're at. So, you know, somebody who's been around for some time, um, how do you handle lack of motivation? And what are your ways to kind of get in the workout, even though, um, you know, motivation might be lacking? Well, I think number one, I've got the benefit of, which is kind of crazy to say at this point, but like a lifetime of habit, yeah. you know, like you and I, we've been in the game a long time and, um, you know, again, getting back to kind of looking at how you stack up to the general public, uh, it is kind of surprising to me like, oh, you know, even when I don't feel like I'm really doing my best, so to speak, mm-hmm. and I can look at where I've been and I know I'm not kind of there, mm-hmm. um, my habits have carried me through. And like I have generally good eating habits, even when they're not really that disciplined. I have a a generally consistent workout habit, even when it's not like burning it down, striking, striking hot to try to get in there. Um, So that's a big benefit. And that's Mm -hmm. maybe not fair because if you're new to this or just getting started, you don't have that benefit. Um, So I would say another trick is to just figure out the things that you really like to do. And I, again, you know, I think that's a big cornerstone in nutrition too. Like, okay, figure mm-hmm. out some things that you really do like to eat that, that can mm-hmm. fit within the plan and then mm-hmm. focus on those things. And don't worry about getting too far outside of that until that becomes your base habit. Mm-hmm. And so the days that I don't feel like I really want to get anything done in the gym and maybe I have a program that I'm following or a workout that I was like, quote unquote, supposed to do, <laughs> um, giving myself the latitude to come in and be like, you know what? I just want to do dips and like row a little bit and, and great. I'm going to do that and I'm going to enjoy it because those are movements that I like and I'm excited to do them. And I probably would have, you know, maybe, maybe if I'm in in my garage, maybe a 20 minute workout would have turned into like a 15 or a 12 minute workout. Mm -hmm. But because I gave myself the latitude to do the things that I wanted to do, I could enjoy it and extend it a little bit. and, And it was a better session because of that. So yeah. yeah. Habit. Obviously that's the big one. If you don't have that habit built, get in the habit of giving yourself some, some latitude to focus on the enjoyment of the things mm-hmm. that you want to do. And over time, then you can use that habit to get through some of the things that maybe you need to do, but you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I love that huge parallel to kind of, um, you know, my 800 gram challenge where I'm like, Hey, you pick, 
you pick right now. Granted, I don't get to say, you you know, pick only pop tarts and Doritos, but within (laughs) fruits and veggies, you know, within the exercise realm, pick the thing that's going to get you going. Right. I I love that. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for so so much for coming on. People can find way more of your knowledge at very not random, but you guys, uh, do, do I have it right? Do you guys have programs too? Do you want to talk yeah, we that? have some beginner programs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you go to uh, uh, Varied Not Random, you can check those out. Um, I'm a terrible kind of promotional person. Pat's way better at that than me. But yeah, there's there's some programs there. Uh, if you're looking to get a first pull up or, you know, walk on your hands for the first time or, or improve your strength a little bit. Um, we have uh, more beginner fo- focused programs there, but people are welcome to check them out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's so good to see you and for you to come on and share your knowledge. Yeah, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show this week. Thank you to Adrian for his time. Again, check him out. The Varied Not Random Podcast. He and Pat Sherwood both been on the show before, both wonderful human beings. So if you like this conversation, you can get a lot more from Adrian and Pat on that show. EC and I will be back next week for a brand new episode of The Consistency Project.